Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We work very hard to ensure that we provide transparency to the market and we're working on increasing that every day so that the market understands what a vantage score means. But then on the other side of it, we can't forget the fact that the model is more inclusive. So using Vantage Score, there is the potential to stay within those risk targets that you're looking for in terms of the score band and the risk that's associated with a certain wristband, but capture those that have traditionally been excluded from the market. If you've listened to the show before, you will have heard me talk about how I've worked in lending across three continents. That international journey started when I left South Africa to take up a role with Experian in the Nordics. I subsequently left that role for an opportunity in Hong Kong that, let's just say, didn't quite pan out as I'd hoped. I was in a new city that I loved, but a role that I didn't. So I was delighted when I got a call from a recruiter looking for people with Bureau experience, a box that my resume ticked thanks to that time with Experian. The statute of limitations on that has now expired, so I can say this, but it was a big internal wall between departments. I sold software and built scorecards and consulted on in-house scorecard-driven strategies, but I never once looked closely at what the Bureau score was doing until I got that new job. TransUnion had re-energized their Asian ambitions and had a dozen people building a credit bureau in the Philippines. And for the first time, I got to see firsthand how powerful a bureau score can be. I work in alternative scoring now. Check out Confirm Use Gamified Psychometric Scorecards in episode 24 of the show. So I know that traditional scores are not the be-all and end-all of credit risk assessment, but they are the default for a reason. So in today's episode, I take a closer look at Vantage Score, one of the most important credit scores in the world. Welcome to How to Lend Money to Strangers with Brendan LaGrange. Tony Hubs, Senior Vice President of Capital Markets and Strategic Alliances at Vantage Score. Welcome to the show. My own background includes rolling out some of the first national level bureau scores in the Philippines, in Thailand, and in Malaysia. So bureau scores are a topic that's very close to my own heart. And I'm very much looking forward to getting into the nitty gritty of the Vantage Score product. But before we do that, let's talk about your route into the role. You've had a diverse and very interesting background that has brought you to Vantage Score relatively recently. So if you don't mind, could you give us a bit of your background? What shaped you to the person you are today? 
And how's it brought you to the role that you now have with Vantage Store? Absolutely. Brendan, thank you so much for having me today. I'm so happy to have this conversation with you. As you mentioned, I'm Senior Vice President of Capital Markets and Strategic Alliances at Vantage Score. And in that role, I work closely with participants across the capital markets space, including issuers, investors, rating agencies, and other key constituents um, to facilitate the adoption of Vantage Score, mostly in the securitization market. Prior to Vantage Score, I was really fortunate to have served as a senior leader across the capital market space. I was a senior ABS ratings analyst at Moody's and DBRS Morningstar. And at Moody's, I was responsible for authoring their monthly credit card index. I've also worked as an executive at Comerts Bank and Dresner Kleinworth, and I led the ABS management team and was responsible for the risk and portfolio management of various multi-billion dollar businesses across the globe, including North America, Latin America, Europe, Australia, and Asia. I've also held senior roles at GE Capital and JP Morgan Chase and First Data. So I feel that Having worked in various parts of the market, I've been an investor, I've been an issuer, I've been a ratings analyst, I feel as though that it has well prepared me for this role to deal with various market participants and educating them about Vantage Score and to work with them to facilitate a securitization in the space. Yeah, so let's talk about educating about Vantage Score because yeah, I hate to use a competitor's name in your interview, but the fact is that FICO is to credit scoring what Hoover is to vacuum cleaners and and Kleenex is to tissues. So in a world where everybody, when they think of credit scores, they think of a FICO score that's been there 80 years, I think it is now, a household name. What was the vision behind the Vantage score and what are you bringing to the market that's different that people might not know about? That's a great question. Vantage score was founded in 2006 by Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion. And a guiding principle for Vantage score from its inception is to leverage data and analytics to drive innovation and inclusion. Importantly, in addition to providing greater access to credit to consumers and helping lenders make better lending decisions at the end of the day. We use the same standard of care across the credit spectrum, and we actively seek new ways to innovate the scoring process. It's the architecture of our model that allows us to score approximately 37 million more individuals than conventional models. And interestingly to note about that 37 million, approximately 10.7 million are members of the Black and Latino communities who have historically often been underserved. And approximately 3 million of those have scores that are above 620, which is generally considered those that would be eligible for traditional lending products. So inclusion and broadening access to credit and being predictive have been guiding principles for Vantage Score since its inception. Yeah, and it's clearly been very widely used in the industry as well. I had a look at your website, and I think for the last year, 14.5 billion scores produced. So as you said, scoring the vast majority of American adults. Who is using the Vantage Score? What sort of clients are you working with? We work with various institutions, and you stole my thunder a little bit, but that's okay. Yes, we um, recently a report was released whereby we saw that over 14.5 billion, billion with a B, (laughs) Vantage scores were used between March 2021 and February of 2022. We see various types of institutions use Vantage score throughout 
their origination and account management processes. Nine out of the top 10 banks and also 30 of the top 50 banks use Vantage Score in their processes. And we've seen an increase of over 18% since 2019. That's phenomenal for us. Shows that there's an appetite for competition in the scoring space. And it also speaks to the confidence that lenders and other participants have in Vantage Score at the end of the day. I've had two different roles within credit bureaus. And the first role I had, I was on the analytics and consulting side of the business. And the credit score was on the other side of the fence in terms of organizational structure. So I never actually looked at the credit score all that much. It was something that was just there and I took for granted. Later in my career, I started dealing directly with national level credit bureau scores. Not your score because I didn't work in the North American market, but similar ones. And I was amazed at the predictive power that's embedded in these three-digit numbers. You know, we can talk about super prime and prime, and for most conversations, that's the level we need to talk at. But I was amazed when I saw just how much power there is in a, in a traditional credit score. What does the Vantage score look like? What information is it telling people? And I guess, given the state of the world today, how is it holding up to all the changes we're seeing coming about? Effectively, a credit score is a way to rank order risk if you will, amongst consumers. And when we're talking about pools of portfolios, across the pool of portfolios, and it can provide insight as to expected performance characteristics for either an individual consumer or for a portfolio of loans. In terms of the predictive power, we have outperformed uh, traditional credit scores. What we try to do along with being the most inclusive and the most predictive, we also strive to provide transparency to the market. We publish a model performance assessment on an annual basis, which shows how our models stand up against conventional scores and also previous versions of our, our models. Our latest model performance assessment showed that the model held up quite well. And also there was a bit of lift over the period of COVID where one would have expected there to be, you know, potential stress. Yeah, that's interesting because it was a period of time when it started certainly with a lot of unknowns and a lot of questions about how would these scores hold out. And yeah, although the levels are maybe moving up and down, it was quite interesting to see how things could hold out. And the, the people that the model sees as risky tend to be the ones that are risky in these situations. So perhaps a lot more stability, uh, at least in terms of tools, than uh, we might have expected given all the volatility and everything else. You've mentioned a few times now about being the most inclusive, and there was a number there when I was looking at your website that really grabbed my attention, where you talk about being able to score approximately 96% of American adults now with the Vantage score with the latest version. What is it that you're doing differently, and how are you bringing this sort of new drive for inclusivity to the market? Well, I am not a data scientist, uh, so that's our <laughs> first disclaimer. But honestly, it's the architecture of the model um, that allows us to score more individuals that may otherwise not be able to obtain a credit score and thus be um, left out of participating or obtaining traditional lending products. Over time, we have discovered various data sets, if you will, and we've come to understand what information is in fact predictive and what information actually is not predictive. 
one of the things that really attracted me to coming into the company is the fact that part of the core mission of Vantage Score is to be more inclusive, but doing so in a predictive and in a transparent way. And with, again, using the same standard of care across the credit spectrum. Yeah, I think that's a a good point to to underline because obviously there's the drive for alternative data and then there's the spectrum of alternative data from the very stable alternative data like utilities and rental to then some of the more exotic forms of it where there will be some experimentation, there'll be some value to be found there in a model, but do we have that same sort of care? Do we have that same sort of transparency in that space? Not always. And just to speak to that point, Brendan, we recently announced that we are excluding medical collections from the score as it proved to not be a good deterrent of how one would perform. Yeah, I love that because sitting outside America and and looking in, it's always one of those aspects of the American credit system that looks very strange. They've arrived there not through any decision they've made or through any of their active behaviors, but rather because they, they've caught some disease or been involved in some accident. Now, my own background in using credit scores has been fairly simple. That we, you know, somebody applies for a loan or we're considering somebody for a credit limit increase. We pull a credit score, we see how risk it is, and we make our decision. That's not the only area that these are being used for anymore. In your role, you talk a lot to people that are doing securitization. Now, Securitization is something I'm familiar with from you know hearing the term and particularly in terms of mortgages and such. I think I know what it is. Maybe we should start with some basics. When you talk about working with partners that are doing securitization, what does securitization mean and who is doing this? Thank you for that question. I, I never turned down the opportunity to discuss securitization because I've been in the business for so long. Just again, really high broad view on this. Securitization is a process whereby an originator or lender issues through various legal and structural mechanisms. They issue notes that broadly speaking are backed by the cash flows that are generated from the underlying asset. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. 
as an example, a credit card securitization, the payments of those notes that are secured by that pool of credit cards would be backed by payments that consumers make on those credit card assets. So the risk is very much tied to those cash flows and very much tied to the behavior of the consumer, whether they pay or not, when do they pay, the yield that is accruing or is a charge to the consumer. All of these things play a factor on the performance of the overall securitization. So the performance of the consumer has a direct impact on the performance of the notes that are being issued. And the distinction, broadly speaking, versus, say, general corporate debt, is that the investor in a securitized transaction, they're backed by the payments that are associated with the underlying securitized pool versus, say, the general obligation of a corporate issuer. And from a lender's point of view, what is the benefit to securitizing? That's a great question. And I've, I've watched the market evolve and grow by leaps and bounds um, over the years. Um, I won't disclose how many, but <laughs> several years. Securitization can actually be a critical part of a lender's funding framework at the end of the day. It helps them manage their balance sheet. And so effectively, it plays a role in enabling institutions ongoing operations and to facilitate additional lending to its customers. I will make a bit of a distinction, perhaps a broad distinction between say larger lenders and smaller lenders. For larger lenders, you know, it's a way to enhance their sources of funding and to diversify their sources of funding and to also potentially gain benefits regarding capital that the institution must hold against its assets on its balance sheet. For smaller lenders, in addition to it being a source of funding, it may also allow them to access capital at a lower cost than perhaps they would be able to do so if they were to issue, say, a general obligation corporate note, if they would even have access to such a form of financing. So it really is a critical part of the ecosystem because it actually allows lenders to continue lending, if you will, and it really does support their ongoing operations. Yeah, and I guess it's a way as well in that startup space to use your good business practices, your existing business where maybe at startup stage, you've got some very expensive capital from venture capitalists who believe in your future potential. And then you set up the business and you actually lend your first call of 10,000 customers. So you use that capital and now you want to keep growing, you can say, look, I've got 10,000 customers, I've lent them $1,000 each. Yeah, here's the terms, here's the risk I'm seeing. And you can sell that off, get it off your balance sheet, get more capital in to lend to the next 10,000. So it's not about promising the world to investors, it's about actually the business you've already done in the last X number of months, and you turn that back into fresh capital. Absolutely. And today's small, small lender is tomorrow's large financial institution. And having said that, wherever you are in the lending process, whether you are looking for, say, a revolver or a venture capital or any form of financing, even in the structured finance market, policies and processes and how you assess risk is a critical factor in the funding process, if you will. Lenders are asked about that. And that's where, you know, Vantage Score can help lenders in that space. 
Yeah, well, let's talk about that. So when it comes to securitization, where does the Vantage score come in? How is this giving fresh insights into this aspect of the lending process? We've seen lenders use Vantage score across their processes. And effectively, there are a number of benefits, but I'll focus on the predictability and the transparency and also the inclusion. So, you know, year after year, we've shown that our model is predictive and that helps, you know, lenders make great lending decisions. And it also helps investors when looking at a transaction that quotes Vantage score in its portfolio distribution, it really gives a good picture of what the potential performance could be. And that's why we work very hard to ensure that we provide transparency to the market. And we're working on increasing that every day so that the market understands what a vantage score means um, from a risk perspective. Again, predictiveness and transparency. But then on the other side of it, we can't forget the fact that the model is more inclusive. So I've had various conversations over the last year or so regarding financial inclusion and credit performance. And I guess the best way of explaining it is if you're a lender or you are an investor and you are targeting a certain credit ban for your portfolio, if you're looking at a transaction with another model, traditional model, then you have a certain universe of underlying consumers. And using Vantage score, there is the potential to stay within those risk targets that you're looking for in terms of the score ban and the risk that's associated with a certain wristband, but you're able to perhaps capture those that have the same risk profile at the end of the day. However, they have traditionally been excluded from the market. So you're kind of bringing financial inclusion into a securitized portfolio. Also more independence. And now it's a bit dangerous because you were in the rating agency world and I'm not. So I'm speaking primarily from ignorance here. But if I think about the rating agencies, get a you know a three-letter code, AAA, BBB, or whatever system they're using, but a very high level code to give you a risk of a whole country. We know each individual mortgage, you know, right down to the three digits after the decimal point in terms of the likelihood of, of defaulting of every loan product that's in there that we can roll up in far more detail than a letter grade might represent. And it's not done for the buyer or the seller in, in these sort of uh, agreements. It's been done at the individual level, been used for every sort of decision in the lending process. So it's not something that's as prone to the pressures of, yeah, should it go up a little bit or down a little bit? But maybe I'm being a little bit unkind on the rating agencies in terms of that space. When you look at securitization, is this the same vantage score that everybody knows and loves and uses? when they're doing their acquisition strategies? Or do you also have specialist scores that work in the space? A vantage score is a vantage score. We are consistent. So if you see a 700 vantage score in the origination process, it's the same as vantage score in the account management process. So there, there's no distinction. And I think that that's important such that there is that level of continuity and uniformity and also transparency, everything can be measured with the same scale and with the same understanding of what what a vantage score means at the end of the day. 
you could be a big bank with 50 million customers and you can talk about your in-house scores and you can tell that to the securitization people and you'll have all the you know, actuaries and auditors you need to get that done. But a small startup maybe doesn't have that same ability, but they can refer to the Vantage score because the Vantage score is the Vantage score. So you could have a tiny portfolio. The model that's been used is understood and tested and validated across millions and millions of consumers, you know, billions and billions of scores every year, which I think yeah, is, is great in the sort of world where we're trying to let smaller players compete with the big ones to yeah, improve access to products for consumers. Exactly. And it's a way of standardizing the rank ordering of a risk, whether it's with respect to, again, an individual consumer or across a securitized portfolio. And we're seeing more and more issuers, sizable issuers, um, leading issuers um, in their respective spaces use Vantage Score when quoting score distributions within their securitized portfolios. Well, Tony, it's, it's great to have you on my show, but I see that also Vantage Score has its own podcast as well, The Score with uh, Jeff Richardson now. Absolutely. And I, I am a fan. <laughs> Not just because I work for Vantage Score. Jeff's done a great job with working and speaking to individuals across the lending spectrum and across the lending ecosystem where they share their, their insights and challenges in, in the space. And it can have quite an impact on the capital market space at the end of the day. So I, I know that I always tune in. And um, for those that are interested in listening to the podcast, you can go to vantagescore.com and also follow us on social media. And not only will you find our, our podcast, you will also find other information related to our scoring, our thought leadership, white papers, information on capital markets, and other digital tools that provide an additional layer of transparency to the market. And we're trying to really add value across the lending ecosystem for borrowers, lenders, capital markets constituents, and other institutions that provide credit education to consumers. So it's really, VantageScore.com really is a, a wealth of information for various constituents. Yeah, I'll echo that. I'll obviously also put it in the show notes, but I really do suggest people who are interested go, go and have a look. I was scrolling through there, obviously, in preparation for this. Some really good articles, some really good insight. But as somebody from the scoring world myself, I was kind of most impressed with the amount of detail you've got there on the score's performance. And it's incredibly detailed. And I've used other documents of yours in the past when I'm looking for a benchmark, talking about inclusivity. You've got your score rated, various population groups and things. So there's a wealth of information. Tony, before we go, obviously, credit scoring and sort of underlying vantage scores is always changing. The world around us is always changing. What should people be looking for next? I think at the heart of all of it, vantage score is always innovating at the end of the day. And again, we're always looking to see how we can best serve the market because it is important for us to add substantive value to the lending ecosystem. And I feel vantage score has done a great job of serving various constituents whether that be through the you know exploration of leveraging new data and providing thought leadership around issues that will or can um, affect consumer credit. Um, so we'll be doing a heck of a lot more of that and are providing support to capital markets, which is why I'm here. 
working closely with various constituents, whether that's with issuers, investors, rating agencies, and providing them information and tools that will help them in either market adoption or understanding the opportunities that are available to them in using Vantage Score. We're also working on putting out more digital tools putting them out in the public domain. It doesn't help anyone if we're holding them in-house, if you will. Recently, we released a tool called Inclusion 360, which I find phenomenal, whereby you can see credit scores across the country and also look at the lift of Vantage score versus traditional scores. And also you can identify underserved populations on an MSA level or on a Puma level. So that's really fantastic. And we are looking to provide more digital tools. And also, I have to end with transparency, transparency, transparency. And that's something that is near and dear to my heart as a former risk manager and and, and buy side analyst and portfolio manager. Our goal is to continue to develop the most predictive and the most inclusive models without compromising integrity and to be transparent about what we're doing. Yeah, well, thank you very much. I think it is a, a fine mission. I think what's also interesting there when you talk about transparency, you know, when I started in the industry, that meant to the banks and now to see how much that is to the consumers. You know, I was actually just pulled it up as we we're talking now. 4.8 billion scores provided by consumer websites versus 3.7 billion scores used by credit card issuers. So actually, in terms of, you know, who's using the score, Consumers are seeing these scores even more than credit card issuers these days. And yeah, in terms of that transparency message, I think a key one there that this goes all the way through now to the consumers that the data is about. And as we said, you know, from acquisition all the way through to capital markets are really embedded in all aspects of the credit life cycle. So thank you very much for your time, Tony. It's been a pleasure chatting to you. Thank you for having me today. It was a pleasure. And thank you all for listening. If you enjoyed that, Please do rate and review on your preferred podcast platform and share widely, including on LinkedIn. And while you're there, send me a connection request. The show is written and recorded by myself, Brendan LaGrange in Brighton, England, and edited with assistance by Kane Hunter. Show music is by I Am Wake, and you can find full written transcripts, show notes, and more content at www.howtolendmoneytostrangers.show. And I'll see you again next Thursday. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 